0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. We live in the information age, the digital age. And Pastor Greg Laurie is concerned at how it's affecting us. We're more connected than we've
1: ever been in human history. And at the same time, we're more disconnected. So we need to put the phones down and talk together and pray together and work together because we're all part of the body of Christ. We're all part of the family of God. We're all part of the church. This is the day.
0: We read that believers were all in one accord. In one accord. They were unified. They were in agreement. They were in harmony. They were a team. Are we today? Pastor Greg Laurie addresses that issue here on A New Beginning. We're looking at a fine example of teamwork recounted for us in the book of Nehemiah. They had a great task to be done. They faced great opposition, but they dedicated their great efforts to a great God.
1: You know, we were just a bunch of crazy kids when this church started. We really had no idea what we were doing. But we loved the Lord, and we wanted to see what God would do. We were in the middle of what was the last great American spiritual awakening called the Jesus Movement. is around 1972. One of the epicenters of this movement was down in Costa Mesa at Calvary Chapel with Pastor Chuck Smith. So, some folks in Riverside over at All Saints Episcopal Church went down to Calvary and said, Could you send up someone up here to preach? And we want to have some Jesus movement in the Inland Empire. And so, a group of pastors at church there went, and I was just hanging around the office, sort of an intern which means that you work but you don't get paid, okay? So I just hung around and I would take whatever they didn't want to do. So after a while, no, nobody else wanted to drive to Riverside. And they said, Greg, why don't you do it? And I did it and I kept at it and it began to grow. And pretty soon I could see this little Bible study of young people was turning into a church. And I hardly felt qualified to be a pastor of a church I became a Christian when I was 17, I started preaching when I was 19, and I started pastoring effectively at 20 or 21. And so I'm thinking there's no way I can be the pastor. I look for someone else to take this role, no one would. And so I just accepted the fact this was what the Lord had for me and we outgrew that church. We moved over to a Baptist church that is now our Sunday school uh, building Uh, and we outgrew that building, put it in a balcony and then there was this big giant decomposed granite pit where you guys at Harvest Riverside are sitting in right now and we took the biggest step of faith ever. We built a building and back then it cost us one million dollars. Now, $1 million is a lot of money. But back then, it was really a lot of money. Like, a lot. And we took this huge step of faith way outside of our comfort zone. And I remember people said, this isn't gonna work. It's not gonna succeed. And as we put those walls up, there was opposition. I think you know where I'm going with this, right? Because we're talking about building walls in the book of Nehemiah. And so here's the takeaway truth from it. Don't listen to your critics, listen to God. And do what the Lord leads you to do. Here in the book of Nehemiah, we'll learn a little bit about that in the message today. How to do what God has called us to do. Because when you put up walls, you're gonna face opposition. When Nehemiah went about the task of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, he faced severe opposition. So here now is Nehemiah getting his battle plan together. We see three vital principles in play here. If you're taking notes, here they are investigation, cooperation, and determination. Investigation, first he checked out the problem. Okay, here's how big the city is. Here's what it's gonna take. Here's how many people I'm gonna need to get the job done. Okay, I've investigated it. Now, cooperation, let's put the team together. Let's get the right people in the right places and tell them what their job is. Finally, determination, we're not gonna be deterred. Defeat is not an option. And that brings me to my next point. We need to find our place in the work that God is doing. Let's read a few verses, Nehemiah 3. This is a little bit like the credits at the end of the film. You know, unless you were in the film, you don't care. But they're rolling, and these matter to God, and they should matter to us. Verse one, Then Eliashib, the high priest and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. Two people from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zacher, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hanessa. And then they laid the beam, set up its doors, installed its bolts and bars, and Miramoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of wall. Beside him were Meshulam, son of Berechiah, and grandson of Meshachizabel, and Zadok of Bana. The phrase next to him and after him are mentioned 28 times in the chapter. What does that mean? They worked together. The same is true of the church. If we want to get something done, we do it together. One person put it this way, quote, coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Thinking together is unity. Working together is success, end quote. You'll see this phrase used over and over. Next to him, after him, everyone had a role to play. In short, they were communicating. You know, it's a funny thing with all this technology we have today. We're more connected than we've ever been in human history. And at the same time, we're more disconnected than any other time as well. I read the other day that millennials would rather text someone than talk to them. I'd rather text you. I don't want to look at you in the face. Just text you. Emoji, emoji, emoji. Right? (laughs) And so sometimes we we don't talk to each other at all. In fact, this has created a lot of stress in our culture. I read that this generation alive today is the most stressed out generation in American history. College students have the anxiety level of psychiatric patients in World War II, okay? So we need to put the phones down and talk together and pray together and work together because we're all part of the body of Christ. We're all part of the family of God. We're all part of the church. And listen to this. God has given to every Christian gifts from the Spirit. How many of you know what your spiritual gift or gifts are? Raise your hand if you know what they are. Okay, how many of you don't know what your spiritual gifts are? How many of you have no clue what I'm even talking about right now? Okay, that's all right. Now here's some gifts that God has given. These are gifts sent from heaven to us. Spiritual gifts, these are not necessarily talents. We have natural abilities and talents that we're born with. These are gifts that are supernaturally given to us from God. And a list is found over in Romans 12. I'm reading now from the New Living Translation, verse six. In God's grace, God has given us different gifts to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, to prophesy means that God gives me a supernatural word from heaven for someone else. If he's giving you that ability, speak out with as much faith as the Lord has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach them well. If your gift is encouraging others, well, be encouraging. If it's giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then take that responsibility seriously and if you have a gift for showing kindness, do it gladly. There is a spiritual gift of encouraging others. I know people with this gift. Some, I think, may believe there's a spiritual gift of discouraging others. That gift does not exist. I believe the Lord has given me the spiritual gift of criticism. No, that's not a gift. Uh, It's not a gift at all. So we want to be encouraging. We want to find those gifts that God has given.
0: You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the U.S. Well, today, Pastor Greg is talking about the gifts God gives us and how they help us function together as members of one body, the body of Christ. Let's continue.
1: Not everyone worked on the walls of Jerusalem with Nehemiah. Look at Nehemiah 3.5. Next to them were the Techoites who made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. So the Techoites did the job, but their nobles, uh, those in authority over them, didn't do it. Some people want to share in the victory, but not in the battle. Now 3,000 years later, we know who did the work and who did not, but there'll always be slackers. There's two kinds of people that come to church. There are participators and spectators. I wonder which one you are today. Let me identify them. Participators come and engage in worship. They listen carefully to the message. They give in the offering. They serve Faithfully, they find and use their spiritual gifts. Spectators, they come expecting everyone to wait on them. Uh, Sometimes they come late. Sometimes they leave early. Uh, You say, Well, how do I know which one I am? If you have been irritated by what I've said for the last eight minutes, you're a spectator. (laughs) If what I've just said bothered you, got under your skin a little bit, you're a spectator. If you've been Challenged by it and can add an amen to it. You're a participator. You decide if you're a servant or a slacker. So we have to find our place and get in there and do the job God has called us to do because we are one of those two. Here's another way to put it. Are you a wall builder or a wall breaker? Are you a faith maker or are you a faith breaker? See, either you're building the wall up or you're neglecting your part of the wall. Either you're serving the Lord and walking with the Lord or you aren't. And it comes down to us as individuals as a part of the church. Now, in contrast to those guys who were slackers, here's a guy who really did his job well. Look at Nehemiah 3.20. Next to him, Baruch, the son of Zabiah, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Zealously. He didn't just do his work, he did it zealously. That could be translated to burn or to glow. He did it with passion. So which one are you? Are you like Baruch? Are you like one of the nobles? Do you serve or do you expect to be served? Are you a servant or are you a slacker? All right, let's pull the camera back now from this story of walls being rebuilt and look at a bigger picture. Because we're talking about Nehemiah who lived in the lap of luxury, who had a maid in the shade, dream job, who walked away from all of that influence and luxury and comfort to go and work hard and suffer with his people to get the job done. But before he did that, he saw the situation in Jerusalem and he wept over it. Who does that remind us of? Jesus, who was in the glory of heaven at the Father's right hand. Left heaven and came to this earth and was born as a helpless little baby in a manger in Bethlehem and there he walked in our shoes and he lived our life and he breathed our air and knew what it was like to face the challenges of humanity, but then he went to the cross and died for our sins and rose again from the dead. And what did Jesus do before he died outside of the walls of Jerusalem? He wept for Jerusalem, just like Nehemiah. He wept and he said, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets, How often I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers her chicks. That's interesting. Normally in scripture, God is presented in a male form, a father in heaven. But in this particular instance, he uses a maternal term. I would gather you together as a hen, a mother hen, gathers her chicks. Now, you all know how much a mother loves her children. And if you try to come between a mom and her children, That may be your last day on this earth, right? Because of that protective nature of a mom, that maternal instinct. And God is saying, that's how I feel, you. I'm like a hen wanting to gather her chicks, but you wouldn't listen to me. But he went through with it. He died for our sins on the cross. Despite the jeering crowd, despite the mockery and the opposition, he died there because he knew there was no other way we could be made right with God. And the same Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead is with us here right now. And he wants to come into your life. You're saying, Well, I don't know, Greg, this i my first time at church, and I don't even know what you're talking about. All this stuff about being in the body of Christ and gifts and giving and worship. Yeah, you know what? This is called a family. You walked in on a family discussion. You ever do that when you're a kid? Go over to your friend's house, whole family's around the table. We're having a family discussion. I'm out of here. No, but listen to this. This is a flawed family, often a dysfunctional family, but this is God's forever family, and it's the best family going, and God wants you in the family. You say, but Greg, there's weird people in the church. I know that. Did it ever occur to you that you're one of the weird people in the church? I know I am. But we like to put the fun in dysfunctional, okay? So here's what it comes down to. The only way you can become part of the family of God is by becoming a son or a daughter of God. How does that happen? The Bible says, for as many as received him, he gave them the power to become children of God. How do you come into the family? Jesus said you must be born again. Just as you were born physically, you must then be born spiritually by asking Christ to come into your life. And then you're in the family a full-fledged, family member in good standing because of Jesus. But you must ask him to forgive you and ask him to come into your life. And that can happen for you right now. Uh, If you've joined us today, you're watching, you're listening to this, and you don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way, you don't have the assurance that you'll go to heaven when you die, but you want this relationship with God, you want that second chance in life, you want to become part of God's family, I'm going to pray right now and I'm going to extend an invitation for any of you that want to put your faith in Christ. Let's all bow our heads and everybody praying, please. Father, I pray now for all of those that are here. Help them to see their need for you. Help them to come to you. Help them to believe in you. We pray that your Holy Spirit will convict and convince them of their need for Jesus now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: And if you'd like to do just that and accept Jesus as your Savior, Pastor Greg Laurie will help you do that right now. If you would like to
1: accept Jesus Christ into your life right now, and by that I mean if you would like your sin forgiven and have the assurance that you will go to heaven when you die, would you pray this prayer with me? Just stop what you're doing and pray this prayer. You might even pray it out loud after me. Let's pray together now. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner but I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and rising again from the dead. I'm sorry for my sin, Lord, and I turn from it now and I put my faith in you to be my Savior, my Lord, my God, and my friend. Thank you for loving me and calling me and accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer in a minute, I want you to know on the authority of God's word that Jesus Christ has just come to take residence in your heart. The Bible says these things we write to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Listen, we want to send you some resources that will help you grow spiritually. And let me
0: say, God bless you and welcome to the family of God. And those resources Pastor Greg mentioned are included in something we call our New Believers Growth Packet. It'll help you get started in living your life for the Lord. Can we send it to you? Just ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And the team would love to pray with you too. Call 1-800-772-936 today. Next time on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg helps us see how Nehemiah dealt with the opposition that faced his team of wall builders. We'll gain some practical insight on dealing with our own detractors as we endeavor to serve the Lord. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called Wall Builders. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or if you'd rather have a copy on CD, you can contact Vision Christian Store on one 800 0 or online at visionstore.org.au. Station sponsor.